Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Talking with Kirk Klein and Dorsey on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. You wind up leaving PC, and 1984 is when you get out. Olympic hopes? Were you, were you... Yeah, well, I'd always wanted to play on the Olympic team. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I don't know how much you want to get into that, but... You know, um, back in the day, you had to still be an amateur, you know, so I guess we can, th this is almost a segue into, you know, number one, a great lesson that I learned. And, you know, the, the other thing is like, I really don't ever like to look back, but, you know, sometimes, you know, um, you know, sometimes lessons learned can be really valuable, right? Um, here's where I'm going with this. Back in the day, there were certain players that they didn't want you to turn pro, right? And um, I'd had a really strong junior year, played in the world championships for Team USA. Lou Vera was going to be the coach. And there were a few of us juniors that they wanted to make sure we didn't sign pro contracts. And so they allowed, I don't know how many, seven-ish maybe, players, they, they gave us written promises, and so I was one of those fortunate guys. Like I actually had a written promise. I had a final roster spot in Sarajevo. Um, and that was pretty awesome for me because one of my goals had always been to play, obviously, after 1980. 80, yeah. Every, every, play, every hockey player. In the I States wanted to play in the Olympics. Billy Baker was from my hometown. Um, long story short. Um, had a pretty solid senior year, did not win the Hobie, but was a finalist for the Hobie, did, did, did lead uh, the East in scoring, had a really solid year. But then once I got to that group and Lou, Lou Vero followed through on his promise, I didn't have a great tryout in Colorado, you know, um, but he still kept me on the team, but I had my commitment and I just didn't perform. You know, like I didn't perform. I ended up, you know, having a few injuries, no excuses, and really wasn't deserving of a spot. I felt it. I was disappointed in how I was playing. And so they'd asked me to give up my, uh, my, my, my letter, which I did, and uh, gave way to Corey Millen, which was, in my mind, the right thing to do. Having said that, one of my biggest regrets because it took that right off the table. And had I been able to maybe think this through a little bit more, I think I would have wanted to take one more shot at it. I'm just saying a more mature conversation yep. with the coach Vero and his staff saying, hey, and this is what I've learned as a coach. And this is what I've learned from that experience that has really helped me as a coach. I want one more opportunity here. You know, I want to start over. I'm better than this. I know I'm better than this. You know, I'm better than this. I know right now I don't deserve more, but I'm asking you to help me out here and give me a little bit more so that I can show you what my true potential is, right? Well, here's where, I, here's where it went wrong. And here's what I learned at, from that experience that has helped me tremendously as a coach, right? I did not feel like that staff appreciated me the way that Lou appreciated me made a big difference, right? So when you don't feel like somebody is in your corner, if you feel like somebody is feeling like you're letting them down, 
What do you think that's going to do to you? Now, some people may be like my brother, Scotty, maybe that would have pushed him up. But what it did to me was it pulled me down. And so my biggest regret was I didn't challenge them in that moment. I should have said, no, I'm not going to give it up. I want another shot at this because I know I'm better. Fair enough. Here's what I learned on the other side. If my players don't feel that I feel that they are good hockey players, if they don't feel my confidence in them, they're not going to have confidence in themselves. It starts with the coach. It comes with that connection. And I think that's one of the things, because I know you want to eventually get into this. I think if you were to ask me, what is the most important thing for any coach out there? It's that connection. It's that connection. If you've got 23 players on your roster, it's mm-hmm. that connection with 23 players. And every day is not going to be a gold medal day. And so what you have to do is you have to find a way to make that player play up to his potential. And you have to know how to push the right buttons with love. That's the key to coaching right there. So you don't get your Olympic dream and you wind up going to Tulsa. I guess you signed with the Rangers and you wind up homeless Oilers. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's where I was going with this. Yeah. Um, Because of financial issues, they had to finish the entire season on the road. I don't know how many games, how many games you guys had to play on the road. Boy, a lot. And every Um, single playoff, I think last 16 and then every single playoff game on the road. What was that like for you guys? I mean, you were, you're basically like your, your vagabonds, your gypsies, your barnstorming across yeah. in, in, in yeah. you know, in, in that league, was it the central hockey league at that time? It was, which and was the equivalent of the American league, but it was east. just the central yeah. league. So they were equivalents. We were the top farm team of the Rangers at the time. Salt Lake city was in the league. Denver was in the league. I think Billings was in the league. Indianapolis was in the league. It was a small league. And what happened was our team folded. And the league couldn't afford to let that team go. So they moved us to Denver and they put us up in the residence in. Mike Blaisdell (laughs) was my roommate. (laughs) I still make Blazers chicken. It's wonderful. Um, So we were based in Denver, Colorado, living at a residence in. We we practiced at Denver University and then we played all all our games against whoever was on our schedule. We just played them in their building. And then when the playoffs started, we had to play every single game on the road. And we won. <laughs> Tommy Webster was our coach. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That have, that had Great to be a coach. St- just oh, a, a player's coach, like just a wonderful guy. Yeah. So you go to Europe to play. How was that experience going overseas? Different ice surface. You know, I, I talk about it here and it's hundred feet wide, 200 feet long, you know, bigger area. Was it an adjustment for you? It was a big adjustment. I, I played in 81. Scotty and I both played for uh, Team USA at the World Championships. And then with the Olympic team as well, you know, our pre-Olympic schedule um, took us to Europe. So I, I liked it. And I loved Germany at the time. And here's what I really liked about it. Those big rinks, the corners were so big, I didn't have to ever, ever really go in them, you know. Yeah. And I was not the kind of guy that liked corners, right? Berkey, Berkey, Brian Burke used to tell me he thought I, he thought I thought I was going to get a rash if I went too close. <laughs> Berkey and I were like just the opposite, but I, I liked it actually. And, and again, I'm an experienced guy, you know, like I would say that, you know, how we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses and there's, you know, like, you know, we can use Lou as an example, but there's a lot of other players and a lot of other coaches that we can use as, as examples that made it because 
you know, they were just going to make it right. Like they were just so headstrong and they were so committed and, you know, like, that's just, that's what it was. It was either I'm going to play in the NHL or I'm just not going to have a great life. Unfortunately for me, that wasn't, that wasn't the case. Like I love the game. I always loved the game, but there was always a little more balance in my life, you know? And so hockey, hockey, wasn't, main, hockey wasn't your main focus at times or it was, but it well, wasn't it was, but then I'm also like an experienced guy. And I'm just saying like, at the end of the day, maybe if I could have been just a little bit, little bit hungrier, at that time in my life, it might've made a big difference, you know? So again, you know, that's a, that's one of those, uh, qualities, you know, if you want to get into, you know, how do you make it? Well, you gotta be relentless, but I, I loved Europe for Europe. I didn't mind the bigger. The only thing is, cause I coach over there too. Like we talk about the rink, we talk about the rink outside the rink. You know, if you take the dots of the ice, you know, and you draw a circle around those dots, well, that's a rink. Now you got the rink outside the rink. Well, that rink outside the rink is pretty comfortable. And if you want to play out there, you can play out there, but you're not going to score because the game is played on that rink inside the rink. You got to get your nose dirty. You got to get a little bloody. And, you know, that's the adjustment that you have to make. But for me, being a skilled player, I didn't mind playing in Europe at all. Yeah. When did you realize it was time to hang it up? What was the moment you realized, you know what? I've had a wonderful career as a player. Serious, it's it's time yeah. to go. It's time to maybe go. Did you think of coaching? Did you think about going into the business world? Did you think about, you know, what you were going to do, or did you always want to coach, or did you? No, start I didn't. Uh, in fact, um, we haven't talked about Lou in a few. Well, we'll talk about him in a minute. A few, but I want to. I want to. I'm just going to say we haven't talked about Lou in a few minutes. So yeah, but, but <laughs> I want. I want to talk. But I want to talk about like. Yeah. Were, were you upset with the fact that it was over? No. A lot I, of guys. I, a lot I of guys. Actually, um, uh, I ended up health, health took me out, you know, like I, I, I've actually had, I had a hip, I had hip issues and hip into groin. I wasn't able to continue to go. Here's when I say, I, I just knew I wanted to stay in the game. Right. And so it's funny how life works. I mean, I finished playing my last year in Europe, I came home, I gave a friend of mine a call and the ECHL was adding two teams, the East Coast Hockey League at the time. They were adding two teams, one in Toledo, one in Raleigh. And, I, and so I'm like, you know, that, that's intriguing. You know? So I sent a resume to Toledo and I sent a resume to Raleigh. And fortunately for me, I was able to put Lou and Brian Burke down as a reference which are two pretty awesome names. Oh right? yeah. That's, that's big. yes. And then my credentials were pretty good as far as, you know, where I played, um, how I played, what my contacts were, that sort of thing. So I ended up getting interviews and I ended up getting the job in Raleigh. And um, I'm sure a big part of it was, you know, the fact that I think Lou probably had a really nice, you know, nice comments and Berkey as well. I mean, that's the, the beauty about even we haven't talked about Brian Burke, but he's, he's a friar through and through, you know, like he'll go to bat for pretty much, you know, anybody that he thinks deserves an opportunity. So that's exactly how I got into coaching. And then I think we ran like one in 11. <laughs> I think we started like <laughs> one in 11. And, what, was, um, what were things you didn't know going in? No, I didn't know. I didn't. Here's the deal. I was a center a center all my life, all my life, like all the way up, I played center. 
And so when you're playing center, even though I love the game, I would never have said I'm a student of the game. I knew the game as a center iceman, right? I knew how to execute power plays and stuff like that. But did I really, really understand how to teach a left shot defenseman how to play the game or, you know, uh, any defenseman or a left wing or right wing or where defensive zone coverage. Are you kidding me? Like, how are you going to defend in the neutral zone? Like, how are we going to get everybody on the same page? To play? I was so raw, so raw. And we started out one and 11 and I almost lost my job. Were you, were you anxious? Were you thinking to yourself, Oh my God, what did I get myself into? You know, am I, a, with, with players and all of a sudden not believing in yes. you, it was management looking at you going, of course. You make, were, you make of course. the wrong decision. I mean, were you saying to yourself, okay, this is going to be the shortest coaching career. It's going to be the shortest thing I've ever done in my life. Absolutely. All of that, like all of that. And um, I, you, you got to know me. I'm a, I'm a perfectionist to the core, you know, and I'm a very proud individual. And there's not a single coach out there worth his grain of salt. That's not going to take ownership or responsibility for his team like you're not going to say oh we're just no good I mean no that ain't going to fly I mean some teams are better than others but you always have to find a way as a coach to make a difference right so I mean it wasn't easy I probably didn't recruit as well as I had hoped and we just didn't have the right players and um, honestly here's the true story Larry Kish I don't know if you're Larry Kish. Yep, I remember Larry Kish. Yep. Larry was in Winston-Salem at the time. Um, and uh, I, my phone rings one day, you know, and um, Larry and I have a great relationship, you know, we have a very good relationship. My phone rings, it's Larry. And he's like, Kurt, I just want to give you a heads up. I just got off the phone with Pete. Pete Bach was my, my GM. And he says, I just want you to know they're thinking about making a change. And I said, okay. I said, I said you know what? I, I don't blame him. I said, I don't blame them. I said, and uh, thanks so much for the heads up, right? And so I hung up the phone and I'm a young coach, right? And I had a great relationship with my team, you know? And I do believe in that. I believe in a coaching, coach having a relationship with his group. And if your group doesn't like you, they're not gonna play for you, right? So I walk in the locker room and I get everybody's attention. And I say, I just, I wanna share a, a phone conversation. And I don't wanna lay this on you but I just want to share it with you. And I said, I just found out that there's a very good possibility that if we don't get things rolling here and I believe in you guys, you know, that I may just lose my job. It was amazing what happened. Like we just started winning games left and right. The passion was there. The guys just, for some reason, I wasn't getting it out of them until that moment. And it just showed me at that time, again, as a young coach, how important it is to connect with your group. You got to connect with individuals, but you got to connect with your group. Absolutely true story, you know? And we never looked back. Made the playoffs and almost won the first round. Now you're talking about, today everyone's into analytics. They're looking at analytics, analytics, and they're looking at numbers and graphs and charts and this, and it's over the top. But you're, you're, in your aspect, which I think a lot of older coaches will say, you got to connect with your guys. You gotta, you, you've got to be, you know, with them, talk to them, find out what's going on. Um, they're young guys, though. They're all young guys in the East Coast Hockey League. A lot of dreamers. You know, they're never going to get past the East Coast Hockey League. But what did that do for you in your development, connecting with these guys as a coach? 
Um, were you able to call on things from other coaches you had that you knew that worked, what didn't work, or was it kind of like, okay, this works, eh, this doesn't work? You know, were you, were you kind of feeling your way through it? 30 years, it really changes, right? And like I said, the first lesson that I learned that was so valuable to me was that feeling that I had as a player on the Olympic team and how I didn't play up to my potential and how I wasn't going to make that same mistake with any of my players. And there was a time when they really started. Players have, I hate to say they've changed, but they've changed 100%. Players have changed. Um, I've got a great story I can share with you as well, because there was a point where um, when I was with Ottawa, um, they, they gave me the opportunity to work with a sports psychologist. And it was wonderful, right? I learned so much real quick back in the day. Okay. Back in the day, Mike Keenan, um, Don Shula. I mean, just back in the day, Vince Lombardi, I'm going to bring Chris in my office and I'm going to say, Chris, you're playing like shit and you need to get your shit together because if you don't get your shit together, you're going to be up there eating popcorn. Okay. Got it. Now get the hell out of here. And what would Chris do? He'd get out, he'd go out, he'd show up and he'd bust his ass. Right. You cannot have that conversation today. So here's what I do. Chris, got a minute? Come on in. Shut the door. How do you think you're playing, Chris? And you're going to say, eh, I can play better. And I'm going to say, you know what, Chris? I agree with you. I think you're a better player. I think you're a better player. What can I do to help you, Chris, play better? What can I do for you? And you're going to say, well, maybe maybe just a little bit of penalty killing or, you know, I, I love to take face-offs late in the game. And I'm going to say, you know what, that's, that's what you need from me. And you're going to say, sure. I'm going to, you know what, I can do that for you. I will do that for you. But let me ask you now, Chris, if I do this for you and you don't pick up your play, then what do you want me to do? And you're going to say, well, you should probably sit me out. And I'm going to say, okay, I'll sit you out then. If you don't do this, if you don't pick up your game, you're telling me it's okay for me to sit you out. And you're going to say, yes. And I'm going to say, okay. And that's the way you handle same conversation, two different ways. And some people may roll their eyes and say, are you, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you right now, that's the way that it's got to be dealt with today. But on the other hand, what I will say is it works. Is that is it language selection? Is it choice of vocabulary? How you approach the situation? It's giving or the player from his... ownership. Yeah. It's giving him ownership. He wants ownership. He wants to say in everything now. It's the way he's been raised. It's the way mom and dad have raised the child. It's the way the coach has coached the child up until the point when I get him, right? And there's just um, entitlement. There's so much entitlement, but you still want to get the most out of that player, even though you may not agree with the way he was raised or some of the way his other coaches have coached him. None of that matters. What matters is today, how am I going to get the most out of Chris today? How can is, I connect with Chris? That's is, the that the, is that the accountability piece? Is that the piece of everything? You're, you're holding this player. He's learning to hold himself or herself accountable 
to you, but it's done in a way that it's not the anvil over the head. It's yeah, here's how it's going to go, guys. You're, you're going to have to figure this out. Yeah. Now, now I'm not saying there's not a Rod Pelly in your locker room who I had as a player and absolutely loved him. Right. I could bring Roddy in and just, I could, I could have that, but I wouldn't anymore. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, but back in the day I could have, you know, there are still players that you can have that old conversation with, but you probably wouldn't. And you want to know what you can't do anymore. You can't go in the locker room and attack a guy. Cause if you do that whole locker room turns on you. Yeah, you can't persecute in public. My father used to tell me all the time, no nope. persecute yeah. in private and, and yeah. praise in public. I did it once. I did it once. Biggest mistake I ever made. Acknowledged it was the biggest mistake I ever made. And I couldn't get my group back. Was that hard, that psychological side of being a coach when you were doing it in these in these uh, the American oh. Hockey League and you know, in dealing with these guys? I mean, some of these guys are going to the NHL. You're trying to prepare them the best you possibly can. You don't want to shatter confidence on some of these guys because yeah. you don't know what could happen. You watch Ted Lasso? <laughs> no, unfortunately, I just get out. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time right now. I am going to catch up. I, I got to got time, I, but um, he's just the most positive coach in the world. <laughs> you know, like that's the way everybody <laughs> should want to be is Ted Lasso. The only thing is, um, Ted doesn't care about winning and you do have to care <laughs> about winning. But having said that in the American league, right. Um, development is very important. Obviously winning is important. Find the balance, you know? And the reason I brought up Ted Lasso is because like my early years were with Lou and Brian Murray and then USA hockey, the NTDP. Right. So it was always about development, right? And you hire me to develop, right? Then that's what I'm gonna do. And maybe there's gonna be nights when it's at the expense of a win, I get it. But isn't that what you've asked me? And that's, believe it or not, that sounds crazy. You wanna be able to do both, right? <clears throat> Any NHL general manager will tell you, if you cannot do both, which one do you think they want? You want do to you win. think they want you to develop or win? They want to win. It's the bottom in the line. AHL, in the oh, AHL. Oh, AHL. Oh, in the AHL, probably more development. They want 100%. to develop. This, yeah, they want to get 100%. This, yeah. Sounds nuts, doesn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's like crazy. But, and then when you have a team that's young and they're in a transition and, you know, they may not have the pieces to win, it's development. And then you get veteran players that get frustrated with the development part, because when you're developing a losing team, the younger kids get more of the ice time. Cause why am I going to give it to the veteran guy? That's not even ever going to get back to the NHL. It's an absolute freaking nightmare. It's a horrible recipe, but you know, there's a lot of coaches in the American league that find a way to make it work, but it is a big challenge. hundred percent. That was segment three with Kirk Klein endorsed here on inside the game brought to you by flex coach and flex coach VR. Stay tuned for segment four. Inside the game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. 